You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. We don't stand very often, but why don't we, for God's Word today, as we, as we look in a passage, I think, fitting for today, um, Judges chapter 6. If you have a scripture with you and you want to look it up so you can read along, that's great. Judges chapter 6. I'll show you a picture while you're on your way there from Lincoln. I had one picture last week. Where's Lincoln? There he is. There's Lincoln. Now this is probably, what do you think, how the altar of Baal looked? Right? Okay. Yeah. We don't know for sure, but could be. So this is that altar that Gideon destroyed. He tore it down and he built an altar to Yahweh last week of what we read. And now we continue on in his life in Judges chapter 6. And I'll start at 33 through verse 40. Not very long today. Here's what God's Word says. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together, and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abiezrites were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they went up to meet them. Then Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I am laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone, and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, Let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was dew. Let's pray. Lord, would you guide our study through this, your word today. We pray as we have prayed over the graduates now and what they will do and how we come to this passage. We thank you once again for your word. May it guide us in the streams. Come back to the one who wrote the word, our God alone. You reign in all things and you reign eternally and sovereignly over all of our lives. And so we entrust them to you. And then we pray for your spirit, the same spirit that clothed Gideon. Would your spirit work amongst us to reveal to us what you've already written and to reveal to us who you are and our relationship to you. And we just pray that in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, I wonder in your life if you've ever done what Gideon did here. I don't know if that's something that you've done in your life. It's not uncommon to hear of Christians laying down a fleece. I'm going to lay down a fleece. That sort of saying sometimes just to try to determine God's will on something. You may not use an actual fleece, actual wool. Maybe you do. I don't know. But you set something at kind of a test. Lord, what's your will? What should I do here? 
And usually it's a big decision, which is why this is, makes it, I love the timing of God's Word, and I was like, I want to get to that by this time, and especially for graduates, where do I, what am I doing, those sorts of questions. But each one of us have different decisions, the varying degrees of, of those sorts of things in our life. For the graduates, appreciate praying for even a future spouse. Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to go? What college? Some of you have decided on that, all of you. And it might be tempting, though, to lay out a fleece to just determine what God would have. So the passage before us, at least the latter part of what I read, is kind of ground zero for this, this fleece idea. So I want to take a few minutes first to examine the text. What's God's word say? Let's look through that. And then just kind of come back to this idea of the fleece and God's will that sort of thing. So let's head back to our text that's before us, back to verse 33. Actually, no, fleece is mentioned in verse 33, just an enemy. Look at verse 33. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. Here's Midian and crew returning once again to the forefront of the scene. It's not only the Midianites, you got Amalekites, people of the east. Using some math, if you look at Judges 8.10, you don't have to go there, but that's where I'm coming from this. In Judges 18, or I'm sorry, 8.10, if you add it up, there is some 135,000, give or take, or maybe more, but I think it's around that, 135,000 men amassed before Gideon in this valley of Jezreel. That's a lot of men before Gideon. One writer sees this as their annual invasion. Like for the eighth time, they're back once again camping in the valley and they're ready. Here's what he says. He says, for the eighth year in succession, they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel at the eastern end of Esdraelon, which was not only a particularly fertile area, but also provided a convenient point for raids on the surrounding areas. So once again, we're in northern Israel, this valley of Jezreel. We've been there before with uh, um, uh, Barak and Deborah and that, that whole instance. And so before Gideon, here's this army has amassed. But something's different on this time when they've come. Israel has cried out. They've been humbled and they have cried out to their God. And God has been raising up as we've been looking at. He's been raising up a deliverer, first in his hometown, that was last week, and now to save Israel. Look look back at your text at verse 34, just the first part of it, where it says, But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Not since our first judge, Othniel, have we, we read these words about the Spirit of the Lord coming upon a judge. But I, I think it's intentional just right here, right, right after we've learned about this invasion of the Midianites and the Malachites and all these people. I mean, a, a big group before kind of fearful Gideon. And here the Spirit of the Lord comes and clothes him. God's strong presence literally comes near to Gideon and he clothes him in his spirit. What about this spirit? In in the New Testament, Jesus calls this spirit the spirit of truth. 
the helper, the, the, the spirit that will glorify Jesus. But here in Judges, we don't have all of that yet. We, we can look back through the lens of the New Testament. We can look back into the Old Testament. We can see the spirit of wor- at work like we see it him here at Gideon. But then on Pentecost, remember Pentecost? Now, it's interesting today if you're following, I don't follow particularly, but church calendars today would be Pentecost Sunday. This, this penta meaning 50, 50 days after this, this feast of first fruits. And so here's this Pentecost that comes when the Holy Spirit comes and does what for the disciples? Close. He comes on the disciples after Jesus has ascended to the Father. But here in Judges, the Spirit is yet to come in the way that we're going to see later. Now, certainly, just thinking a little bit about the Holy Spirit, certainly the Spirit, He is at work in the old and He is at work in the new. One writer, J.I. Packer, maybe you're familiar with his name or his book, Knowing God, a popular book, he says this in a book about the Holy Spirit, on kind of a summary statement I, I found just of, of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He says, The Holy Spirit's ministry was enlarged at Pentecost, Acts 2, 2, when it came upon the disciples. Uh, The Holy Spirit's ministry was enlarged at Pentecost without being in any way diminished from what it was before. So prior to Pentecost, think, you know, Old Testament, the Spirit sustained creation and natural life, renewed hearts, gave spiritual understanding, and here's where we come into Gideon, bestowed gifts for service both in leadership and in other ways. That's what he's doing for Gideon. And all this he still does. The difference since Pentecost, so now, after, is that all his present ministry to Christian believers relates not to Christ who was to come, nor to Christ present on earth. It relates now to Christ who has come and has died and risen, and now reigns in glory. The Spirit relates to that. So Packer's main, what his main thrust regarding the Spirit's work after Pentecost is this, to mediate the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a helpful, not just to give some sort kind of abstract power, it's to mediate the presence of, to glorify Jesus Christ. That's the Spirit's work. Spirit leads us to Christ, to be like Christ, to know Christ. Romans 8 calls Him the Spirit of Christ. So that by the Spirit, I think we could say we are aimed at Christ. I can't answer every question regarding the Old Testament ministry of the Spirit. It's much like other things. We see shadows all leading up to and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So we see that here. But here in Judges, we only see We only see Gideon clothed with the Spirit. But then in the new, by God's grace, all of us, we are all clothed with this Spirit as He mediates Christ to us. What a fascinating, I don't know how often we dwell on this fact of God dwelling in us by His Spirit. The same Spirit that clothed Gideon clothes us in Christ. What a truth we have to be a dwelling place for God by the Spirit, for those in Christ. So that's a Spirit just mentioned here. Spirit of the Lord clothing Gideon in the midst of an army, in the midst of the enemy. And so God's strong, His presence clothing Gideon. 
So look then what Gideon does. Look at the rest of verse 34 and then on. So what does Gideon do clothed in the spear? He sounds the trumpet, and the Abizarites, they were called out to follow him, and he sent messengers throughout Manasseh. They too were called out to follow him. He sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, and they went up to meet him. Here's Gideon, the, the weak, right? Weak and least of these Gideon. Now he's blowing the shofar. I don't think it was a trumpet like we have, a trump, like a horn. He's blowing this in the land, calling his people to battle. Calling these different, the Abzerites, Manasseh, Asher, and so on. Here, God had sent the messenger, the messenger that we looked at, the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord to Gideon. And now what's Gideon doing? He's sending out a messenger. He's going to impact and he's going to lead the people around him. We can just observe just real quick here, just the far reaching effect. We talked about, I think it was last last week of one man following the Lord and the effect on his home people and then the people kind of the, the regional people around him. Even Gideon's own people, the Abiezrites, even those, he was fearful of them, and now what? They're coming up to him. They're going to rise up with him, with the one whose God is the Lord. What a change. Those he was fearful of are now following him. He followed the Lord. So we see here, God draws near. He clothes Gideon. He empowers Gideon by his spirit. And so at this point, we're ready, right? We're ready for the battle to begin. Here we go. He's got the spirit. He's got the people coming. And then there's just a pause. Gideon just, there's a pause here and stops at verse 36. This is Gideon pausing. This is us, by the way, maybe. He's empowered and then questioning. Look at Verses 36 and 37. Then Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I'm laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone and it's dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Gideon's fleece, his test question of God, involves kind of, if I can say it, this evolves, it seems like three questions in one. There's three questions. Number one, will you save? Like, if, if you're going to, the if is kind of a will you? you know, will you save? That's one question. Next question, will you, Lord, save by my hand? And, and really, question three, will you save by my hand just as you have said or commanded? And the call was clear. If you look, I mean, Judges 6, 14, if it's near you, you can just look at the verse. This was God's call to Gideon. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. So the call is clear here. So in one sense, God's already commanded Gideon. Gideon should go. You should do this. This is what God has said to do, and yet Gideon's fears, his weakness, they just surface once again. And maybe, I don't know if you count, some 3,200 years later, we as the reader perhaps were heard chanting, Gideon, why are you so afraid? Why are you asking? Don't you realize who's with you? Just quit stalling. Just obey. Go already, Gideon. 
But alas, for Gideon and for us who are involved in the midst, big enemy, big trial, big conflict, it's not that easy. And there's fear. And so in another so in one sense, Gideon has been called, go. In another sense, we see again the humanity of Gideon. He is not the forever deliverer, the incorruptible deliverer. He's fearful once again. We see his humanity. Essentially, I think his question is, and we see this a couple places, his question is to the Lord, is your word what will really happen? You said this, is it going to happen that way? Is, Is what you said really the case? Here's what the author I've been using that always, often puts kind of a comical twist on some of these things. He says, Dale Davis says this about the, the hesitancy of Gideon. He says, Gideon wants to be assured of Yahweh's promise to save Israel through him. Gideon wants to be more sure of Yahweh's sure word. He is hesitant, not unbelieving. It's not the absence of faith but the caution of faith we see here. And then he goes on to say this, quote, God says it, I believe it, that settles it, may be a snazzy bumper sticker theology, but it doesn't always neatly cover the struggles of believing experience. We can look at Gideon and go, Gideon, didn't you see the fire? Didn't Didn't you hear? Didn't you see all this? And in his experience, he's living through that, Say, Gideon, believe, and yet we look at our own lives and, and can struggle. And so Gideon struggles. His heart, I think, faces doubts or fears here over and over. Again, not, not even the last time we'll see it, but the God he serves is full of grace. And so the strong presence of God graciously answers Gideon in the midst of his doubts. Now, I'm going to read here at verse 38, and I'll just read to the end. You'll hear these different things. We've heard them before, but the, just what happens. And so Gideon's already put the, dew on the, or put the fleece on the ground. And the, you know, put, so, Lord, the first, te- you know, put the dew on the fleece and then let the ground be dry. And so verse 38 picks it up, and it was so. God graciously answers it. It was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon, now the next one. Then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry in the fleece only and on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night and it was dry on the fleece only and on all the ground there was, there was dew. So first one, asked, Gideon asked by morning, let the fleece be wet and the ground dry. Squeezes out, bowl of water. An answer. And then Gideon, though, bold as ever to confirm his doubts, not satisfied with, with one answer, just has to push it a little bit. Just don't be angry with me, but I got one more. One more task he wants. So this, and this one, from what I read, is really, I guess, naturally speaking, the harder one of them, that the fleece wouldn't be wet, but the ground would. And God graciously obliges. As we look at this passage, and I just kind of just went over it, it it's often mentioned, it, it kind of comes under this category of knowing God's will. I think it's fleeces, it's more about seeking assurance of the thing that he is doing. I, I don't see so much a, 
Gideon's trying to decide between option one, go and fight, or option two, uh, I'm heading for the hills, that kind of thing. You know, I'm heading back to my wine press, whatever. It, Gideon just wants to know, God, will you do what you said in this instance? So I think that, that changes it a little bit. Gideon here, he must believe it, and then act upon God's word or what God has said, interchangeable things here. And yet, even in this, God's gracious to that weakened flesh of Gideon to answer him. Again, Dale Davis, God's not ashamed to stoop down and reassure us in our fears. He is patient with our weakness. God doesn't mind humbling himself in order to bolster our fragile faith, our wavering grip on his word. And as this closes, there is no commentary made. It doesn't say the Lord was displeased with this. It doesn't say if Gideon, what he did was was right or was wrong. It's just it's the account here. And it, it's God obliges Gideon and, and does this for him. Well, as we kind of conclude this and think about this, again, Gideon's fleece, less about discerning I think, God's will, more about an assurance that God's truly spoken and he'll, he will fulfill what he said he's going to do. I do want to conclude with two thoughts that would maybe stem from this section since it's so often as we think of God's will and what he would have me do and putting out a fleece and that sort of thing, just to think about, re, think about these fleeces and, and God's will and how we might approach these. So two thoughts. The first thought here is that fleeces do not replace God's revealed will in his word. A fleece is not a substitute for God's revealed will in His word. In His word, they confirm it; they don't replace it. There's, if you think about the will of God, and some have three different views. I, there's God's secret will. Deuteronomy talks about God's secret will, His decreative will. If you want to talk theologically, which we're not going to get all into for time's sake, but that's God's will is His sovereign, His eternal decree that everything will happen as he said it will. Proverbs 19 says, 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. That's God's sovereign, decreative, even his secret. We don't know all of God's plans, but that's his will over time. But here, as we're asking this question about maybe fleeces and God's will and this sort of idea, we're in the, the realm of his revealed will or his, uh, I think it's called his perceptive, preceptive will, something like that. God's revealed. What has he revealed? What he's revealed is his word. His sufficient word has revealed what God's will is for you and I. There is a will that we find here. It's, it's how we're to live, and that's what the, the word of God shows us. Here's a couple of exa- examples. I'll just read them to you. First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. For this is the will of God. Hold on, listen up. Here's the will of God. Your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you, each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. You want to know the will of God? There it is, 1 Thessalonians 4. How about 1 Thessalonians 5.18? Give thanks in all circumstances. You finish it? For this is the will of God of God in Christ Jesus for you. Peter says this in 
1 Peter 2.15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. God has spoken in His Word. The question for us is, will we obey what He has revealed to us? That's the question. No, no fleece is needed here. Well, I don't know if you make this wet and dry. If this is, your, this is His Word, we're to obey. So, for instance, some questions. Should I get married? Or is living together okay? Hebrews 13, let marriage be held in honor. The marriage bed be undefiled. That's God's word. How about this question, who should I marry? We'll talk about this in a bit. Who do I marry? 2 Corinthians 6.14, clear, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You want to know God's will, who you should marry? We have some direction. How about what job should I take? First, I think uh, Dave alluded to this. 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. If, it, if that job does not glorify God, your, your job is to go steal things? That's the wrong job. That's not God's will for you. It's to glorify Him. I'm not just talking about glorifying God in, in ministry positions. This, God's given us work to do all sorts of different kinds of work that these four will do in their lives, and all of us. God's will is that we glorify Him in anything that we do. So we obey. But number two, on the other hand, and I want to say this, I'm being a little cute with the words, but fleeces of a certain variety are helpful when used within the boundaries of God's Word. I want to think about fleeces. So one, do we need a fleece to know God's revealed world, Word? We do not. It is right here. He has spoken, obey. Number two, though, fleeces of a certain variety, maybe they're helpful within the boundaries of God's Word. So God's Word is sufficient, but it's not exhaustive for every single question. The, the Bible didn't spell out Hannah's name. I wasn't reading and crossed out different letters and said, Mary, Hannah, in it. But I did. I'm so thankful I did. But didn't have her, I didn't find her name. Or maybe I point and just, there's Hannah. I no, it's, it's not that. Or, or what exact job to take. Or what college to go to. You don't find University of you know, Eau Claire or whatever. It's not in, in here, Acts 2, whatever. Or what you're supposed to bring the potluck. or any, it, you know, it, It's not exhaustive in that way. So let me offer some, some thoughts just in thinking about fleeces where, where maybe God's Word has not so clearly spoken to us. And I'll use the abbreviation RTC. I realize that's Rochester Technical College, I think, so it just came to my mind. So number one is resources. This is amazing what God has given us to go, what do we do? The resources, I would call them fleeces, to use that word as we're in this sermon today, but what resources has God already given you? And guess where? We're going to come right back to His Word. Once again, God has spoken through His Word, even in areas where there's not a name spelled out or a college spelled out or this or that. We come back to His Word. 
Take, for instance, who should I marry? God doesn't give the name, but he gives, what are you, you going to look for? What are you going to look for in that person? And guess what? It's, it's not the, the, the beauty, the outward appearance. That's what God's word teaches us. We have it. We have a resource in front of us. Secondly, we have God's spirit as a resource. For those in Christ, again, God's put his spirit in our hearts. So Paul admonishes, Galatians 5.16, he says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Which So there's desires of the flesh. You need to walk by the Spirit. Spirit wrote the Word. We walk by the Word. But we walk by the Spirit. God's given us His Spirit. So the question, are we bearing that spiritual fruit in our lives? The fruit of the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. Or grieving the Spirit by not walking according to God's Word. We have these resources. And then just some others we have. What's another type of, rather throwing the, we have parents to guide us. Even us older people, we still have parents, some of us. that We can talk to older people that we trust. And we say, well, trust their direction. And we get counsel. As a church, we have elders here to give counsel. Yes, we give counsel for leadership, but also available to give counsel for matters that are weighing on your heart. What do I do in this situation? God's brought people around, even this body that is around us. We are rich for counsel. A couple others, just one. I mean, this is, right, just pros and cons. Just weigh it out. Use the mind God's given you. This is pro. This is I should do this. Here's my list. Here's this. I don't. Yeah. Okay. Go with it. Praying, trusting, looking at it, being wise. God's given us minds to do this. And then, lastly, and maybe you could add to the list of resources would be time. What a beautiful thing time is to discern. Not a quick decision. Okay. Maybe sometimes we have to make that. But time. What a precious gift to slow down and pray and wait sometimes and wait a long time sometimes. So those are some resources that we think about this. But then I want, I want to bring you to the T of RTC. And this is quite simply just treasure, the word treasure. What's God's will? What do we have? What a, John MacArthur shared this advice years ago, and I've, for some reason I don't remember a lot of things, but I remembered this on that question of what do you do with God's will? Where, where should he have me? It's Psalm 37, 4. Would you look that up quick? Would you just go? I want you to see it in your text. Psalm 37, verse 4. It doesn't say God's will, does it, in here? Sometimes we look at like, can't find this that way. Look at this. Delight yourself in the Lord. Treasure the Lord. Delight. Take joy in the Lord. And guess what? He will give you the desires of your heart. Lord, I want to desire what you would have. You do? Delight yourself in the Lord. May He be your treasure. And when we've got other things as treasures, we've got wrong, we're going to have wrong paths and wrong decisions. Delight yourself in Him to give you the desires of your heart because guess what? Your heart's going to desire Him alone and delight 
Make it a goal. And then lastly, this, this letter C, R of RTC. So you got resources, treasure, and then C is a word of caution. Just a word of caution. If you so choose to lay a fleece, as it were, of some sort. Can I sh- caution you? If it's a, if you do this, Lord, then I'll do this and that kind of, be cautious of vows and what you say and commit to. So if you do that, then stick to it. Don't waver. Don't, don't, say, don't give an if then and then, and then well, I, mm, something's not right with that. I'll just go my own way anyway. That's why it's so, be so careful. When you give God an if-then statement, you need to follow through on that vow, which, which, again, that's why I'm saying caution ought to make us quite slow, if ever, to just lay out a fleece. But let, that fle- let it be tethered to God's Word. So I hope coming away from this, you're not hearing the pastor say, okay, go, go put out all your blankets tonight and just figure it out. God's given us resources, the Word to treasure to treasure the Lord and be cautious as we give God these if-then if statements, be tethered to His Word. The beauty here is God is gracious. He's gracious in fleeces and questions and wills and all those sorts of things because He knows our weaknesses. He knows how frail we are. They're different for each of us, and yet He's provided His Spirit to guide us. He's revealed His, his will in His Word. It's sufficient. And what else has he provided? A church to gather around us, to give us that sort of wisdom. My question for us is, why would we look for wet ground when this is the abundance we have in the Lord for his direction for us as he directs Gideon by his word? Let's pray. Father, your word is sufficient for us. May we value it. May we read and study, and may we not go to wet blankets until we've scoured your word and your counsel and the people among us. Give us wisdom in the decisions we face. Lord, those that aren't so clearly spelled out in Scripture, grant us wisdom and eyes to see, to ask counsel, and then to listen to how you've provided, and to pray and to seek you. And at the same time, Lord, we just praise you that you're gracious to a lot like us. Those weakened by the flesh. Gideon's got all he needs and he's still afraid, and you're gracious. Lord, you proved your graciousness 2,000 years ago as you demonstrated your love for us by dying for us on the cross and rising again. And through Christ Jesus, we are forever indwelt by Your Spirit and will be in Your presence forever. Lord, may our delight be in You only. And when other delights compete, may we see them for what they are and tear them down. And may the desires of our heart be You and You only as we live, as we go out, as these graduates go out from here as well. We pray this, Lord, for your leading. In Jesus' name, amen.
You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.